Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we take a Sunday to hit pause. I'm so thankful it's on our calendars because we need to hit pause because there are some people that make this world a better place, and those are mothers. Would you join me today and thank these amazing ladies for what they do and what they mean? You know, I think, back, I think back to my own mom, and I know today is sort of a bittersweet day for some of you because your moms may, may not be here anymore. My mom went to be with the Lord back in 2017, and I know that bittersweet feeling of I'm thankful for her, she is, but I sure wish she was here because I know there's a lot of things she would tell me that I need to be doing different, all right? And so, but I, but I do miss her dearly, and I know for some of you, you wanna be a mom, and you're, you're, that's in your heart, and that that season of life maybe hasn't come for you yet. Wherever you're at today, I want you to know this. You are valued by the people around you and by this church. So I'm gonna do something today. I want all the ladies in the room to stand today, would you? Any of the ages, I want you all to stand, all the ladies. I want you to know this. You make this world a better place. You make it look better. You make it smell better. You just make the world a better place. When God created women back in, back in Genesis, he took what he did with Adam and he just made it a little better model. And you make this world work. And most of what you do goes unseen. People don't always thank you for it. People don't always recognize it. Sometimes it becomes something very expected. I want you to know that the Lord looks at you and he sees you're enough. And he created you just perfectly for the season of life that you're in. I was thinking about this the other night. I got home from a doubleheader. My legs were tired. They were aching. I'd been on my feet for a couple hours. And I remember when I was nine and 10, my mom would rub my legs as I would go to sleep because she'd run around all day as a kid. And I mentioned to Ann like four times. She was not interested. But anyway, so, but you just, you, you're so selfless. And I want you today, I want you to know today, you are loved and beloved by the family around you, by the people around you, and by the Lord and this church. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray over these amazing ladies standing around this room. In all different seasons of life, some on the beginning of this journey and others mid in the journey and others that may be in that, they may be in that season of looking a lot of life in the rearview mirror. God, wherever they're at today, Father, may they know how valuable they are to you. Father, may they know the intrinsic joy that they bring to the people around them. And God, when they look in that mirror and the enemy whispers, you're not enough, God, may they know in you they're always enough. And so God, we bless them, we pray over them, and we thank you for these ladies today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Would you join me again today and thank these amazing ladies sitting around this room. You can be seated. Well, today we're gonna continue our series, Love God, Love People, Repeat. 
So last week we began this series by talking about the children of Israel and how they struggled in this process. So if you got your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark 12 is where we're gonna be today. Uh, if you've got the app, that's probably the easiest way to follow along, North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store. So whether you're watching in True North or Compass or watching online today, I hope you'll have that up because we're gonna refer to it a lot as we look at what Jesus had to say and what we all live with. Mark chapter 12. Would y'all stand with me today? Let's all stand together in honor of reading God's word together. We know that Jesus was being asked a question by one of the religious leaders, and his answer to that question is why we're where we're at today in our series. Verse 28, Mark 12, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing one another and seeing that he answered them well, Jesus, he asked him this question, which commandment is the most important of all? Now remember, there were 10 Moses brought down from the mountain. There were now 613 that had been concocted by the leaders of the day, okay? So they had to make sure everybody fell in line. Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Last week we talked about Jesus was referring back to the book of Deuteronomy in this hero Israel. We talked about how the children of Israel began to reach a point that they didn't hear anymore. They didn't, they didn't hear from the Lord and what he was trying to say and how their hearts got deafened. And we, last week we talked about what it means to hear and obey. Jesus goes on to say, the Lord our God the Lord is one. Every child that grew up back then, they would recount the Shema. They would get up every day and they, they would say it in the morning. They would say it in the evening that the Lord our God, he is one. This is a big deal because these children of Israel had left slavery in, in Egypt and in Egypt, they didn't have one God. They had lots of gods. They had the God of water, the God of sun, the God of fire, the God of fertility and Poly, it's called polytheism. You, you have lots of gods. And, and Jesus was saying what Moses had brought down, that he's just one God. Then he goes on to saying, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So what Jesus was saying is, we all have rivals for our mind's attention and our heart's affection. No matter where we're at in life, there's a rival for this and this. And those rivals never go away. In fact, they begin to look different in every season of life. Those rivals look a little different, but they're all competing for this and this, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. So before you're seated, I want you to turn around. You don't have to shake anybody's hand, but I want you to turn around and say, can you believe the Braves won in the 12th? Do do? Share that with everybody. Share that with everybody. In full disclosure, I made it to the top of the inning, and when they gave up more runs, I got so mad, I cut it off and watched King of Queens. All right, and so I, I, in full disclosure, I got it up this morning, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna tell everybody I watched it, and I really had to watch the highlights, I didn't see it. Well, today, you don't have to just hear from me. Today is a special day, because I've got some guests that are going to help us take what we're gonna learn together and apply it 
from the viewpoint of a mom because we all sit with different vantage points, right? We all have the vantage point of life that we're in, the season of life that we're in, the what we're having to do in life. And so being Mother's Day, I thought we'd hear from some moms because we know that sometimes moms have opinions. All right, and so we're, we're gonna get to hear some of those. So would y'all walk, welcome Stephanie Ford today and our panel that she's gonna introduce to you. Would y'all welcome up today? <clears throat> So they deserve a lot of credit because this is their third time having to hear me say the same thing. So Stephanie, everybody knows you. Introduce these special ladies we got on stage with us today. Uh, Kelly Skelton, Nomi Anthony, and Cindy Rainey. And Cindy is a new grandmom as well. So y'all welcome them again. Woo! All right, we, we got to dive in there first. Cindy, is being a grandmother everything everybody says that it is? It is, and it's better. <laughs> and Why it's, is it? What makes it so much better? It's the reward for having children. <laughs> That's right. I've always heard it's the reward for not killing your own kids. Is that, <laughs> is that true? Yes. So today we're going to talk about rivals. When you hear the word rival, here's God and here's all the other things in our lives. Why, we know that none of them are greater than God. Why do we continually let other things in the place God only wants for himself? What would y'all say? Well, I think, we, well, I think we, were, we were talking just a little bit ago about um, things that compete for it. And it's like, as moms especially, we have all of these balls we're juggling in the air and... You know, we, we just go to the one that's about to fall and we grab it and then we lose, you know, we, we sometimes lose that first love with Jesus and don't always spend the time with him that we should. Mm. We don't make the time. You, you did some word search on the, <laughs> of course you did, all right, on the word rivals. You're like, did you know that it means this? I'm like, no. All right, so <laughs> share, share with me a little bit of where that came from. Well, if you go back to the origin of the word, it comes from the Latin rivalis. You just pretend like you do that. That's right. Yeah, and, I, I do um, that. I share that with And it meant uh, one or more people who competed for the, using the same stream as the same water source, which you can imagine long, long ago caused some drama to occur. As years went by, that word kind of began to change a little bit. And the, the, the definition that we know it by now is it's two or more people striving to reach or obtain something that can really only belong to one. Mm. And I think sometimes when we hear the word rival, we think it's an enemy but it really isn't. It's just something that is competing for that same space or that same attention in our lives. It's so interesting because we hear, we do, and I think you're right. We do hear the word rival and we always think, well, I'll notice it, right? Because we think of sports and you think of, well, they show up in a different uniform and they show up dressed like this. But rivals that Moses is talking about and that we're talking about, they're ones that show up and they go for something even bigger. They go for this, and they go for this. So we know Moses, he brings down the Ten Commandments. He led the children of Israel on a journey that they never finished, by the way, while Moses was in charge. But yet, when the New Testament reflects back on Moses, it tells us a little bit. So read for us, Stephanie. If you got your app out, this will be in your app. Read Hebrews 11 for everybody. It's really it good. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. 
By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured to seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. All right, so I wanna camp out on this real quick. You hear the phrase, by faith, when he was grown up. You see, by faith, he left Egypt. When you hear by faith, what does that mean, ultimately? What would y'all say? Would you hear the writer say, we don't know who wrote it, but they're saying Moses, by faith, did this. What does it mean that he did it by faith? What would y'all say? Well, Naomi was sharing. Share about what you were talking earlier. You said how you, today, doing this, how nervous we were all. Yes, yes. So today, um, just having the, the, the ability to, to just trust God in, in everything that we're going to do because we were super nervous when he texted us or called us about coming on to do this. And, and you know, last week he was talking about obedience and it's kind of like tied into this situation for us because we had to be obedient. We chose, we, it was a choice for us to be obedient and come into this situation and share our stories. So we have to have faith in God that, okay, everything's going to work out for the good. I love that. And you did say it was a good excuse to go shopping. Did you? I mean, you did say, you did text that back and said, yeah, if I say yes, I get to go back and get new clothes. Is that true? And sit in the front row for my family. Remember? That's right. <laughs> sit on the front row with my family. Because what you got to think, so by faith means that Moses didn't see it yet, but he trusted that the Lord had it. So Stephanie, from your vantage point, why is faith so hard to live by sometimes? When rivals give us immediate, right? Faith tells us, no, 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 the good may have to wait a little while. What would you say? Well, I think even now we live in, in such a, a society and a place in our world where everything is, is immediate, mm. right? I mean, our, you get immediate feedback, you, you go to social media, you send an email, what, you don't, we don't have to wait for things anymore. So when it comes to something in our life where you have to wait and you have to watch, I mean, my goodness, I think even they have plants now that like grow overnight. Like, you know, you don't have to wait. Here, it grows overnight. Like we, we're just not a, a people and a society that is accustomed or comfortable in waiting. I love the way the writer of Hebrews said it because the way he laid that out for us, Moses faced some rivals that you and I face. So if you got your app out, I want you to pin in a couple thoughts or thumb in a couple thoughts today. Don't write on your phone. All right, pin the, thumb, the, thumb them in. So number one, Moses defeated the God of power. So Moses had the opportunity that he could have gotten power more quickly. In fact, it says it in verse 24. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. <clears throat> Big deal, right? Because he's choosing to be a slave rather than coming from the most powerful house in all of Egypt. So ultimately, Stephanie, it cost him what? What did that cost him by making that choice? Well, he... he gave up his sort of life of luxury and then and had to suffer. I mean, and he, and he made that choice on his own uh, knowing what was coming his way. So as a guy, I hear power. Here's what comes into my brain. Title, right? Position, achievement. That's what comes in my brain. Brain, how many of you guys agree with that? That's what comes in your brain when you hear, just raise your hand, it helps me out. All right, and so, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's what comes in our brain. You know, I've achieved, I've gotten, I've made. But when you heard it, I'd love for you to share what you thought because it really resonated with these guys when y'all met the other day. I think for me, it's the word control. Like I don't think of power, but I think of control. I wanna control my kids' choices. I wanna control their consequences. I wanna control their health, their well-being. I mean, ultimately, I wanna 
control their salvation. You know, I want to, I want to sort of write the story, know what the ending is, and be comfortable with all parts in between. Um, and as we discussed the other morning at breakfast, um, 2020 was like the complete opposite of, of having any control. Kelly, you want to share about that? Um, I think what I realized a lot last year was that I had this false sense of security thinking that I could control the outcome for my kids, control the outcomes for my family. And I think we were all rapidly reminded we can't even control our toilet paper supply, um, <laughs> much less the food at the grocery stores and, you know, all the things that came along with that. So I think I was really kind of stripped from that of the sense of control and just reminded that you never really had control. You had the anxiety of trying to control. Cindy, you mentioned something earlier too I thought was really good. You're in that season where your kids are grown and they're out of the house. Does control go away during that new season that you and Thomas are in? Well, I think um, that I have had to learn that I really can't control them anymore the same way that we did when they were in home. And really, I have had to pray more and and just really um, say less, honestly. Mm. I just, just, you know, and I think that you didn't realize after they were out of the home that you would be praying so much, but you really do because you realize, okay, I thought I had control when they were at home. I really didn't. God was in control and it was yep. just helped with anxiety for me. But I think now I really realize I'm so not in control. So, And for all of us, no matter where we're at in life, that power position will come dressed very differently, okay? And it may be you're entering into retirement and you find out your identity was totally wrapped in what you did. And all of a sudden you're thinking of yourself without that title beside your name and you're like, who am I if I don't have that? Or if I don't have this status thing or, or whatever it is. Here's what I want you to remember. I want you to write down this thought. We're gonna move on. I want you to remember that we are truly the servant of the one true king. He is the only one that matters, right? He is the one. He is the only one that matters. Yes or no? Ready? We can lose our job. Yes or no? Yes. We can lose our status. Yes or no? We can use, lose our title. Yes or no? Right? We can lose control. Yes or no? So never put on the pedestal that which I could lose. Moses defeated rival number two. He defeated the God of pleasure. And I want you to write this down. I thought it was so good. <clears throat> pleasure can stand for self-indulgence now. Meaning it's immediate and it's gonna satisfy me now. I love how it said, choosing to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting power of sin. He knew sin wouldn't satisfy. And we always put it in a category. Well, I, so with sin, it's not one of these things. But you brought up something, Stephanie, I thought was really interesting. What can, how did that resonate with you when you first heard that? Well, I think, again, when you look at pleasure and, and self-indulgence and all this, I think, you know, you may say to yourself, well, I don't abuse alcohol or I don't watch uh, things that, you know, would be deemed inappropriate, or I don't do any of these big, grand things. Um, for me, and really this was just recently, it kind of came to light. My husband was traveling. You know, we have four kids. I don't remember their ages. There's, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> That's um, when you got too many kids. But, That's a bunch of kids. <laughs> my oldest two, my oldest two um, have cell phones, and we share the iCloud, so I know what apps they download and 
And just remember at this, this point in the week, my husband had been gone. My little ones were pulling on me physically. My bigger ones were pulling on me emotionally. And I was just kind of at that point that you reach in motherhood sometimes where you're sort of resenting all of the little things. Like, do you really need water again? Like, you still want to have dinner? Like, all of those things. And I just remember feeling like I have had no time to myself for weeks on end. And I grabbed my phone and whatever little game my daughter had had on there popped up. It was like Candy Crush or something. And so I was just like, I'm just going to play this for five minutes. And you know what? In those five minutes, I didn't think about, I didn't think about my kids. I didn't think about all the things I had failed at that day. I didn't think about all the things that I had tomorrow. The problem was that five minutes that day was 10 minutes the next day and an hour the next day because I didn't want to think about any of those other things. And so something that was so small and so really innocent, if you think about it, grew to be this thing that was consuming my time and attention. And I think that's where we, um, especially as mothers, kind of have to focus in on you here. Oh, pleasure. Well, that's not me. Okay, but what is the thing that is distracting you from what, where you need to be? Um, Naomi, we talked about this a little bit too, if you want to share. And, and for me, I can totally relate. And, and what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that social media is bad, but what I'm saying is that I have realized that um, time that I could be spending, let's say, in the Word or with your husband or with your kids, I spend it on looking at pictures, posting pictures, because I'm also a Zoom instructor, so we do a lot of events. So I'm always, you know, liking, loving, you know, updating. And that's just time that, like you said, turns from five minutes to 20 minutes to an hour. And then your husband's getting neglected, your kids are getting neglected. So my point is that I have learned, and I, and I realized it's back in January, because January I did like a whole fast for a month. No social media. I was focused on the Lord. Anytime I picked up my phone, I was reading the word. So I've learned that I'm like, Lord, help me to get back to that place. So maybe I need to fast and pray again so I can get back to that again. <laughs> but the fact that it takes up so much of your time is just useless time for you, me. <laughs> you know, in the book of James says it, this, says it this way, to him who knows the right thing to do and he does not do it, to him it's a sin. So I think we like to qualify the sin of saying, well, just tell me what the sin is and I won't do that. But sometimes the Lord's led us to do something and then we go otherwise for something that may be self-indulging now and meet our need now and we find out that it really wasn't enough and we find out the consequences of whatever that was last, the sin was immediate, but the consequences last forever. Whether it's not spending time or whatever that is, Moses had to defeat that rival of pleasure, but the third one was he had to defeat the God of possessions. And we're gonna spend a little bit of time on this one. Here's how I would write this down. More equals contentment. More equals contentment. When I get this, then I'll be this. Why is that so dangerous? What would y'all say? I changed the questions on them. So I'm throwing, throwing curveballs. Here we go. Well, I was going to just say, I was going to add into the fact that um, I think one of the things, too, is hearing all of, our, of y'all's comments, Kelly and Naomi, you know, the, the fact that the, when your children are younger, you're, I mean, you're younger, and, and usually you start out, like when we were first married, we had nothing. You know, we went to McDonald's, we did all these things. And then as you you have children and you grow and then you see you're involved in more people's lives the joneses you're competing with all of that and i think it's not till your children are gone you know you start seeing the other things but i think that it is a constant battle with dealing with comparing whether it's a vacation or whatever it is right and yeah to your point um even you know it could be like my day off 
And if the kids are home, I feel kind of like guilty because I'm not doing something with them, you know, and, and that's like so frustrating. Or if we if it's spring break or winter break, Georgia has a lot of breaks, by the way. There's a <laughs> lot of breaks. <laughs> and it's like you feel like you have to do something with your kids, even though you just want time to just to relax and do nothing. But you feel like that pressure because you want to give them kind of like what you really didn't have growing up. Well, I think that kind of goes back to the social media aspect, too. It's kind of thrown in our face constantly. We're constantly comparing ourselves to what did they do this weekend? What have I not done? I'm not a good enough mom. They did this and I didn't do that. I did this differently or, you know, they have access to this. And so I think it's the constant comparison, too. You can never catch up. You can never. How much of this do you think is rooted in we just don't feel like we're enough? And so there's got to be something that plugs that pain no matter what it is. So some of you in here, you may be, it, it may be athletics, and then you achieve whatever status that is, and you go, that's it? That's really all that I get from that, right? Why, why do you think that is, Steph, that there's this, something else will be enough? Why do you think that's in all of us? It's inherent. It is, and, and I think that, um, you know, the, the, the Jesus, the churchy answer to, to say is, is when we're not filled up with the Holy Spirit, we feel empty because, and we're just looking for things that, that, that fit that space in our hearts and in our lives. And um, I think ultimately, you know, so many of these things, we were joking, but they go back to that original control thing. You know, I don't, I don't want my kids to be disappointed. I don't want them to miss out. What if they didn't go to gymnastics and they're supposed to be this world-class gymnastics person? I may be speaking about my own family here, <laughs> but like, how do you balance? You know, how do I let my 14-year-old do what he wants to do? My 11-year-old, my eight, my five-year-old, and it goes back to that. I, I'm, 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 I'm not doing enough for enough of them at any given time. And so I think even a lot of those, as Naomi kind of mentioned there, is so much of that plays back out from maybe our own lives. What did I not have that I feel now like I'm supposed to be giving them that's gonna be the thing that they need? Um, and, and, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but that Deuteronomy 6 passage, it's really similar to the one that we're talking about right now. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might. And then it goes on to say, and teach these things diligently to your children. Mm. And I look at myself and I think, oh, I'm so consumed by the control and the anxiety and the having enough. And what is that teaching to my kids as they're watching me walk through these seasons of rivals? And, and we live in a world that, Everything you watch is telling you what you don't have, right? And I mean, you look at it and you're like, well, if I had that, then I'd be happier. They look really happy. And then when we grew up, I didn't know where my friends went on vacation. I didn't know who went with them. I just knew they were out of town and they'd be back sometime. You never saw the pictures of the vacation. You didn't know now. Your kids, they look at it and see it immediately. Who's where and what they're doing, and they're having more fun, and I'm sitting around the house. I gotta clean. I don't wanna clean. My friend's in the beach, right? And so it goes through, and there's this battle. It's really interesting. Listen to what it says Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater worth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses made a thoughtful choice of what it was gonna be for him. Steph, you sent a survey to the staff asking a question, and there was a one particular note that came back that I think really speaks to that point. Share that with you. Yeah, I just asked them, you know, why do you think that we, especially as mothers, have such a difficult time maintaining that scriptural balance of God, spouse, and then children? Because I think if we all kind of took a poll, we would say that gets out of whack more often than not. And so this spoke to me. She said, um, 
I feel an inherent burden to take care of others. It's a progression of things. It starts by always having an extra outfit on a day trip in case they have an accident. It morphs into staying on top of them to do their school assignments, keep a neat room, practice their sport, musical instrument, extracurricular. And then as they grow older, it's making sure they have all the supplies, resources, knowledge they need to be successful and holding them accountable for stepping towards adulthood. To an extent, I assume that the other adult in the house can do all those things for himself. But I think as a mom, I feel the bigger burden to prepare little humans to be successful and independent big humans. All of this while I'm trying to work 60 hours a week and make sure we don't run out of milk and toilet paper. It's never ending and exhausting and definitely competes with my time with the Lord. And there is a competition. I I want everybody to get this. There is a competition for this and for this. There is a God who is enough. And there is an enemy that will always be telling you he's not enough. That you need to add in this piece. You need to add in this thing. Are things good? bad necessarily? No. Are titles bad? No. Is, are possessions bad? No. They only are bad when they have this and they have this. And you assume, I've got to have those things to be happy. Moses' fourth rival was here to defeat the God of praise. And I think within all of us, we have this want. Listen to what it says. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. John 12, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Your perspective, you guys, as we've talked this morning, y'all's thought on it was very different than my thought on it. When you hear this praise piece, what comes to y'all's minds? What would you say? I would say, um, again, going back to um, getting uh, validation, you know, when you're posting your pictures or you're posting your, you know, status updates. You know, a lot of teenagers these days, they feel like, hey, um, I'm posting this picture, but if, if I don't get a like, I'm taking it down. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, the picture's beautiful. Like, you look nice. Like, why would you take it down? If you love it, keep it. You know, so there's a lot of, you know, that validation that we want. And then also, you know, making sure you validate other people too is what I find myself. You know, I'm always loving and liking everyone else's statuses or, or pictures because obviously they're posting it for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the society we're living in. And I think the validation is that approval that we talked about, that, that you begin motherhood seeking approval. Like, from my pediatrician, am I raising, am I doing the right things, doctor? And then from teachers, am I teaching them the right way? From your parents, am I raising this child the right way? Then from society, from other moms, do you think I'm doing this? You know, do I, um, you know, are all these milestones, are all these markers being met? Do I have them in the right extracurricular? Are they going to the right college? Like, if, and I think it's, we're just looking for that to help us make sure we don't feel like we failed them in some way. Right. Because if everybody else tells me that I did a good job, then, then they must have turned out okay, and I, and I did an all right job. We think of praise as we're just standing around wanting accolades from others. Why, when the Lord says, you're enough, I created you in my image, I bought you with a price, why do we feel as humans we've got to add to that? I think that it comes down to also as we mentioned in the last um, service, I believe, you know, that we also hear another voice, the enemy lying to us and telling us, you're not enough. You've, you've got to, are you people pleasing enough? Are you taking care of everything? Are you the super mom? Are you, and I think that's it. We, we really need to 
try to in, tune our ears to his voice mm. and not the others that we hear so much. How do you do that? How do you, how do you continually tune yourself to his ear so you know his voice? Tune your ears to his voice. How do you do that? I think it starts by making sure you have the time. Start your day with that. Start your day in words. Start your day with, you know, prayer. Start your day with praise and worship. Um, make sure that you make the time for that because I know our lives get super chaotic and we're rushing kids from car line to school to, to sports, to church, to all the things in between. And I think that it just, we fall short and we don't make the time to make sure that we are in, in the right place. Mm. You know, Today is something we all need. I knew even as I sat through this this week, I would think by the age I'm at now, I would have licked this. I mean, I already know, I know the answer. I know, but yet I still find rivals creeping in my life. I still find things creeping in that are trying to take my mind's attention and my heart's affection. And you will always face it in your journey. The question isn't will you face it. The question is, what do you do with it? Would you pray with me? Father, you are a good God because you don't cast judgment on us when we fail the first time. But God, you come back in and you go, you know, that's not gonna work, Mike. I am all that works. And I know you think when you get it all in order, it's all gonna be, and it's, it's not enough. I'm enough. Boy, as you sit this morning listening to my voice and watch online, would you hear the word of the Lord to you? Of I've bought you with a price. I've claimed you as my own, I've adopted you as my child. My status is your status. My royalty is your royalty. Boy, would you hear the Lord today going nothing in this world can compare to what I've given you. Jesus, thanks for being enough. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for doing all you did for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.